Good morning, everyone. Go ahead and grab a seat. My name's Simon, and I am the pastoral intern here at Hillside, and we're really glad that you're joining us here this morning. And quick announcement before I uh, welcome up our speaker for this morning, which is, as Emily mentioned a few minutes ago, we have Alpha coming up in just over a month. And this is over the Christmas period, so as Emily said, it's pretty much here. You know, the next four or five weeks are going to go by so quickly. Well, with Alpha coming up, we actually have a very special guest this morning, an old friend of Hillside's, Ben Woodman. So Ben, let me invite you up this morning. Hey, good morning. Ben, we're really glad to have you here again this morning. You were here with us, what, two months ago? Or? Yeah, 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 October. Yeah, so it doesn't yeah. feel like too long ago. Well, Ben works for Alpha. So Ben, what's your position at Alpha? So I uh, head up Alpha for youth uh, internationally. Mm. So we have an office in New Westminster, and that's our, uh, some of our international team is there. And Alpha started in London in the UK, so the rest of our international team is mostly there. Nice. But we got a little team going here for international stuff too. So that means a lot of Skype calls and a lot of travel as well. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And uh, something exciting that I heard about recently is you guys just put together a new youth alpha, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. We've talked about that a little bit here. It's, we're really yeah. excited. Um, just, and we're translating it now. We're just translating it into Mongolian. So uh, there were some churches in Mongolia that were like really wanted to the series in Mongolian. And then also we're working with the team in Asia to look about making a whole new version, yep. an Asian version of our youth series that we made uh, in, so yeah, it's pretty oh, fun. That's fantastic. So for anyone that doesn't know what Alpha is, how would you explain in the simplest way what it is? Does anyone not know what Alpha is? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, no, I'm, yeah, exactly. I just tell, <laughs> no, it's good because uh, Alpha is, uh, it's a series of interactive sessions that uh, explores life and faith and meaning. Oh, I just saw a sign. Explore life, faith, meaning. Oh, there, great. there it is right there. So I nailed the script. Yes. Uh, but the idea is that every alpha session you have a meal and then you watch a, watch a talk, watch a film, and then you have a chance to discuss it. And so when I, when I tell um, like a, like someone who's cutting my hair, they say, what do you do? Because uh, I go to great clips. I don't go to the same person every time. Um, because Great Clips, guys, and maybe ladies too, it has a really good app. You can actually just, it's like you can see the wait time, and you just go and you look around and you just find a wait time, and you just go, you just check in online. It's per perfect. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's hard, yeah, life. Did you get royalties for that? Different stages of life. <laughs> different stages of hair growth for all of us in the room. So just, if it connects for you. Uh, <laughs> Oh, you're, I mean, you did it. <laughs> um, but what, what, I was getting distracted by great clips. Oh, this is how I describe it to my barber. I, say, I usually say, oh, it's, it's really good for people who maybe don't want to just jump in on a Sunday morning, but have questions and want to learn and want to talk about it. And so it's like, hey, have some food together, uh, watch a talk, and then discuss it. Open discussion. Everyone, at the end of the night, everyone doesn't agree. Uh, and then the, for those of you who are, you know, your faith is, is alive and passionate and you want people in your life, your friends and family, to know Jesus. The other really important part of Alpha is there's opportunities. Uh, it's not forced on anyone, but there's opportunities for 
prayer ministry. And I would say it's opportunities for people to encounter Jesus for themselves. So it's, it's uh, for years we just, we do the, we call it the Alpha Weekend or the Holy Spirit Weekend. And it's giving people a moment to say, hey, can we ask God's love to touch your heart and fill your heart? And he does it. He always, he's so faithful to show up and bring peace and bring love and, and touch people's hearts and minds and power. And so uh, I know that Alpha's been a, a part of uh, some people here's story and how mm. they came to faith or their faith came alive. Mm. And, but that's it. So it's this journey, this relaxed atmosphere, open, and there's these kind of moments for opportunity for encounter as well, which is, which is just the best. Mm. That's brilliant. So clearly you're very passionate about Alpha. So tell us some, some recent stories that you've heard about that encourage you. Yeah, well, one of the recent stories was, um, it was through a friend, my friend Matthew was leading a group at his church in London, and he's leading this small group, and, and there was a guy who just seemed like really warm to Christ, really warm to the faith, was really engaging in all the discussions, uh, but his brother's a homosexual, and so he was like, I can't be a part of the church because of all the baggage that comes with that for homosexuals. I have to love and be committed to my brother. And, uh, and so when they did the Alpha Weekend, um, uh, he, was, he had a prayer time, and he actually had an encounter where he, he kind of almost had like a vision of Jesus. So it was like Jesus kind of appeared to him in his mind's eye. And, and Jesus kind of was standing through a doorway, and he's like, come on, you can trust me. And Jesus showed him, he said it was bright lights, and Jesus, he just was like so wanted to go with Jesus, and Jesus was like, you can trust me. And then he was like, but, you know, he was torn because he loves his brother so much. And then Jesus was just looking at him, he was like, I love your brother, I love your brother so much. And so that was what he needed to hear, because he's like, okay, Jesus loves my brother. And so he's like, okay, I don't know what this means, right? Because what does it mean now to join, uh, call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus in his relationship with his brother? But he had this confidence in his heart. He felt like Jesus told him to his face, mm. like, I love you and I love your brother. And so he kind of stepped through the door in his mind's eye. And uh, his life has been transformed. Now he's just bright in faith and he's like, it's just beautiful. And so uh, I think of uh, a lot of other people. I was at a small group with some people in Alpha. And again, I, I get fired up about the encounter moments, right? Because it's like, God is so faithful. When we make a space for him to show up, he loves coming and touching people's hearts and minds. And so people journeying, asking questions, discussion, some heated discussion, uh, some silence. And actually, that reminds me of my cousin, actually, on Alpha. We were six weeks in, and, and she didn't say anything in the discussion groups. Every week, silent. I always forced her to answer the icebreaker question, like, if you're on a desert island, which two books would you have? You know, you can't say Shakespeare or the Bible or something. You know, you have to say something. And so, and I would always force her to do the icebreaker, but I wouldn't force her to do the rest of the questions. Uh, six or seven weeks in, she says to me, uh, we're just setting up, and she says, hey, Ben, I just wanted to say thanks for not making me answer any questions, like mm. forcing me to talk. And it was like, because, I, but I was torn, because I'm like, you want to make, like, no, what do you think? What do you, I want to know what you think. But it's actually about making a space for people to be themselves, engage as much or as little as they want. Mm -hmm. And so she actually verbalized to me, thank you for not making me talk. I'm really glad I can just mm -hmm. come and listen to the conversation. I'm like, okay, great. And so, but wait, I was going to another story. Oh, yeah, I'm in this small group, and this, the, we, we're going to do this time for prayer. And we're saying, hey, in the moment, why don't we stand together, and we're going to ask God's spirit to fill our hearts. And so uh, this girl, she says, right when they said that, she, and everyone stood up, she said, peace like she's never experienced before just filled her heart and her mind. So no one was praying for her. No one put a hand on her shoulder. God just met her, because, and obviously she was standing, I think, with an open heart, saying, God, I want more of you in my life, and kind of st stood up, and she was like, whoa, what is this? And so she's describing this to the group and kind of being like, I've never sensed his peace or his presence like that before. And, uh, and then later some people prayed for her and stuff. But I just, I love that, those stories because um, 
because that's the heart of it. At the heart of it, it's, it's about relationship. Um, I got to speak at a Catholic conference. I just was in Australia. I mentioned last, in September, Melissa and I were in Australia. And I got invited to speak at a Catholic youth conference. And I told them, I want to speak on relationship versus religion. And uh, I was kind of maybe, I'm like, I hope they don't get upset. Um, or maybe they'll ask me some questions. What do you mean you want to talk about that? But this, this group, uh, they're called Ignite, the conference. And they were just so fired up. They're so excited. Yeah, come talk about relationship versus religion. And I said, hey, it's not about religion. It's about relationship with Jesus. And, uh, and this conference, they just loved it. And the reason I thought of that is because one of the things I love about working with Alpha is it's every major Christian denomination mm. and, and lots of small other denominations use Alpha, and I just love that because for me, the core is just like, hey, if God is real, if he actually loves us and has made a way for us to know him, I, that's what we, I want. That's what we want. And so that, that's it. Like, I'm just like, it's about knowing God. And so for this, this woman and making these spaces for people to encounter Jesus for themselves, it's just like, so I'm like so thrilled that you guys are doing Alpha again, and uh, literally lives like tons of lives have been changed uh, in this church as you make space for people uh, to journey, wrestle through, mm-hmm. they experience that community, that love, they eat some good food, and then they, they meet Jesus for themselves. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't wait. And, and maybe, maybe Jesus will do something like that for someone else, like give them supernatural peace, yeah. reveal his heart to them for them and their family. It's just so good. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for sharing, Ben. Let me pray for you. Thanks. Lord, we thank you for Ben, and we thank you for the ministry of Alpha, for those people who have heard the gospel and responded. We thank you that your spirit has worked through this ministry, Lord, and we ask that you would continue to do so. We ask that you would go before them. We ask here at Hillside that you would go before us, that you would prepare people to hear the gospel and to come to Alpha. That's what we pray, Lord. And we pray for Ben this morning as he opens your word and shares with us the good news. We ask that you would give him wisdom and insight. We, we pray that we would have open hearts and open ears to listen to what you are saying to us now. So we pray all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Simon. Oh, guys. Derwin's back. <laughs> How good is that? Uh, many, many moons ago, I was a youth pastor here, uh, and actually I got, I was, I was a volunteer youth leader, and I started calling myself youth pastor, um, <clears throat> and, and after being a part of Hillside for a while, I realized, oh, Derwin says a lot of funny things, so I started taking notes on the funny things Derwin said. I don't recommend this, um, <laughs> for his sake, uh, uh, and, and so just this morning, Derwin got up, he's been gone for how long? Six months? And he gets up and he goes, you're in for a treat. <laughs> you, what did it say? You're, you don't know what you're in for. You're, I, I was like, instinctively, I was like, oh. <laughs> I almost went to write it down. <laughs> this is so good. Uh, well, it's so good to be back with you again so soon. I was here in October, and uh, I, just, I just love you. And well, I'll tell you what's on my heart for this morning. I'd love to end our time by praying together if you want. And I'd love to... I want to talk to you from um, uh, Luke 15. You know the story of the well-known as the prodigal son? I want to speak to you a little bit from the story of the prodigal son. And, but before we go there, uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Ben. I'm married to Melissa. She's a nurse. Uh, we just had her, her the nurse. The, she's a NICU nurse, so in the, in the BC Women's and Children's Hospital in Vancouver with the sick babies. And uh, so she's a hero. Her and her friends are heroes. And we had her, her Christmas party last night. That was fun. And... 
Um, and so I'm really proud of her. I don't have any babies of my own. I'm working on it. Uh, it's, it, and, and it's actually, that's been one of those things in my life that's been a, been a hard thing. We've been trying to have babies for eight years. But it's like, I feel like God has said, yeah, well, I'll give you babies. But I'm like, okay, when? Like, yesterday I was thinking, like, during, I was thinking, like, am I going to be like Abraham? Am I going to be like 100 before I have a baby? I was like, Lord, help me. And so, uh, so I only mention that to say uh, not to get sympathy because I don't need sympathy. Uh, if you want to say a prayer for us, that'd be awesome. And, uh, but God is so, he's so gracious, right? He just... It's like in good times and bad times, he's always showing us more of his heart. And so uh, for us, Melissa and I, we've had so much grace. So uh, I feel like the weight of that for some couples is so heavy. And for us, it's been like, oh, a little bit heavy. And we just felt God carrying that with us the whole time. And so, but uh, I'm a very proud uncle and godfather. Uh, and, um, and we just celebrated, just another thing, just personal note. I, we just celebrated my grandfather's life. He just passed away on November 8th. And uh, we celebrated his life yesterday. He was 97 and a half years old. And so I was like, my goodness, 97 and a half. That's so, so old. And he, this is the thing about Grandpa. He wanted to go like 15 years ago. He was like, <clears throat> 15 years ago, he went around his house and he took masking tape and he wrote people's names uh, on it in the family and he stuck people's names to everything in his house. He's like, oh, I don't, obviously he's very practical, right? He's like, obviously that's quite a big job after someone passes away. So he labeled every single thing in his house. This is 15 years ago, okay? This is like, he was ready. He was like, and so you walk into his house, it was quite awkward because he, he was, was around for another 15 years and he was in that house for another probably seven years. And so you're in the house and you're having family dinner and on the table uh, or on the table leg is like Dawn. Or it's like, we're in the, in the living room, and you go to the wall, and there's a painting, and it's like, Ben. Like, on the, on the corner, I'm like, oh, that's my painting. I guess, no, that, I get the painting, right? And random things. Everything was labeled. Like, you think he started labeling the photographs, those fo frame photos. Okay, D Bob gets this. Anyhow, we had a fun time uh, and, and grieved together yesterday, and so that's just a little bit of, uh, personally, what I'm going through. And, and it was, my grandfather loved Jesus, and his faith was so important to him. He actually kind of really was uh, encouraging to me uh, and... Just being like, but what, here's what was interesting. He, he said to me in recent days, he said, Ben, he said, you have to tell everyone they have to go to a good church if they want to go to heaven. They've got to they go to a good church and not a bad church. And then he started naming names about bad churches and good churches. And he said, if they want to go to heaven, you have to tell them. They've got to go to a good church. And I was like, okay, I was listening. And I'll tell you what was happening in my heart when he was saying this. Because this is like right close to the end. I'm like, these are some of my grandfather's last words to me, telling me about how to tell people. He's like, tell people if they want to go to heaven, they got to go to a good church. So this is like weighty words. And I was sitting there translating, being like, thinking to myself, and so I was nodding, but I'm like, I'm not going to tell them that, grandpa. I'm not going to tell them that they have to go to a good church to go to heaven. Because in that order, that's not how it works. It's not, that's not what the scripture says. It doesn't say uh, to go to heaven, you, you know, go to a good church and not a bad church and then naming names. It doesn't say that. There's some false teachers listed in the, in the scriptures that says don't listen to those guys. But what, what I was translating was, uh, what I was noticing was his faith, he had such a sincere personal faith in Christ, and his faith was so intermixed with religion, the, even the religion of Christianity, it was so mixed in that he couldn't separate it in a way that the scripture separates it. It separates, it, there's a big distinction, you know, even now to mention, like I was talking about in Australia, religion versus relationship. There's a big difference. And what it says, how you go to heaven, it says you trust God for what he's done for you. You trust in Christ. 
It's by grace through faith. I think that's the verse of the day on the YouVersion Bible app, isn't it? It's so good, right? What does it say? It's like uh, by grace through faith. This isn't, it says it's not of what you've done. It's, it's a gift of God so that no one can boast. I like that, so that no one can boast. God, like the writer to the turkeys, he's uh, uh, the Turkish people in Ephesus. Uh, he... <laughs> Come on, guys, I said that like um, two months ago when I was here. Uh, guys, I, the writer to the, to, to the guys in Ephesus, he's saying, he's, saying, he's saying, listen, he's like, so that no one can boast. Because he, he knows that guys like me, I would totally boast. If I earn salvation, I'm like such a boastful guy. I'm like, I'll boast in almost anything if I think I can, can get away with it. But he's like, you don't get to boast in your salvation because it's not by you. You didn't do it. It's a gift by grace through faith. And so then I'm sitting there with grandfather, and I'm saying, and he's saying, you got to go to a good church to get to heaven. And I'm just observing how intermingled his religion and legalism is tied into his personal true, sincere, authentic faith in Christ. And so uh, part of my personal journey and my faith has been for the last, I don't know, uh, probably I feel like really seriously since 2004. Uh, to, since 2004, I, God has been trying to, how many years ago is that? Just quick maths. 15? 14? Yeah, it's coming up to 15 here in a month. Yeah. So 14 years ago, almost 15 years ago, uh, God has been working on my heart to t- separate the legalism and the religion and, and kind of throw that out without throwing the baby out with the bathwater and the baby being a sincere relationship with Christ. So it's, it's, it's tricky because it's like, does, does Bible feed our faith? Does prayer, does regular times with God feed our faith and personal relationship with God? Yeah, but can that also then get integrated into a religious system that it becomes a, list, a checklist, a religious checklist, and then that actually steals from the life that we are meant to have in Christ, the relationship we have to have. So it's like, it's all really, it's, it's intricately woven, and it's like, I'm trying to get it separated. So the last 15 years of my heart, if I had to describe in one way what God's been doing in my life, it's been like, he's been trying to get rid of the religion and the shame and the legalism, and just bring it all into the relational context, all into the, the space of you are meant, you were created in the image of God to, to be known by God and to know God. You, and you're so loved. You're so loved. And so that's, I'm just trying to live out of that space, free in Christ. Galatians, he's just, all Galatians is talking about we're free in Christ. So this morning, from that perspective of this heart that says uh, we, have to get, we have to learn to separate our religion from our faith in Christ and our relationship with Christ. Uh, I want to kind of highlight to you uh, part of the prodigal son story. So Luke 15 is uh, often known uh, when Jesus tells three parables, and it's, it's often no- considered or called the prodigal son story. In recent years, uh, you notice more and more it's called different things. In my Bible right here, it says the parable of the lost son. And, uh, and then in some more, even more recent stuff, it says the parable of two lost sons. Right? And, uh, and then Timothy Keller, I thought he nailed it. He wrote a book called Prodigal God. So instead of prodigal son, he says this, this parable is about a prodigal God because the word prodigal, prodigal means wasteful. Uh, and so he's saying, look how wasteful this, this, this father in this story is. So let me read to you uh, some of this story. Um, 
and then I'll, I'll jump into some stuff that I think, especially if you're a church person, if you're a church person, my hope this morning is that you feel, convic- you feel challenged, you feel convicted, you feel like, ah, oh, I didn't realize how much I've been letting religion creep in and take away from the free life and relationship I have in Christ. And so that's my heart for you this morning. So in Luke 15, on page 695, just kidding, most page numbers are different in Bibles, but if you have the same one as me, 695, uh, it says this, Jesus is, it says this, uh, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So it just to pause there, the first two verses. It says the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees, being the religious leaders, the pastors, uh, like Derwin, are, uh, and the teachers of the law, muttered, I guess that's kind of like me too, uh, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So the, the Pharisees are the religious leaders, they're the religious professionals, they're, they're the, uh, we know this about the Pharisees, they're the pastors, and they're passionate about protecting and honoring the name of God. And then you have Jesus, who's, he's, the tax collectors and sinners are gathering around to eat with them. Probably the same in Jesus' day as in our day. Uh, when we think of sinners, I mean, you know, just go classic. Just classic sinners. I don't know, what is that, whatever that looks like in your, in your head. Uh, probably not the, the, all of you here, you know, but as when you go classic. But when you think about your old life, some of you are like, oh yeah, classic. Just classic sinner. Okay, so they're gathering around and they want to hear from Jesus. This is a, a, a total indictment of the church today, isn't it? Where it's like, they, these people would flock to Jesus. Tax collectors and sinners. That's the last place where tax collectors and sinners of our day usually come to church. It's like, it's like why would I go to the church? They're just going to make me feel what? Guilty. How did Jesus do it? He's the visible image. I don't get it. Anyhow, we'll keep moving. He's like, he's like, they're wanting to hear him. So they're gathering around and the religious people are upset. Why is Jesus spending time with the tax collectors and sinners? And we see this time and time again. And then, so then it says this. So then Jesus told them this parable. So it's really important that we remember why Jesus even started to tell them the story. It's because the religious leaders were mad that he is eating with sinners. A sign of friendship, a sign of welcome. Why would he even do this? And so it says that, uh, then he reads, he, he tells them the story of a, of a, a lost, one lost sheep, one lost coin, and two lost sons. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. It says he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to get death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, so he's got a speech prepared, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He's like, okay, that's the plan. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, this is like one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. It's just so, it's just so wild. Like what, this is like a picture of the father. And remember who Jesus is saying it to. He's saying it to the religious people, like you, church people. And he's saying, listen, 
This is what the father is like. He runs to his son. He kisses him. He throws his arms around him. And then it says, uh, uh, then the son said to the father, Father, I've sinned against... Here's the speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick! It's like he doesn't even listen to the rest. He says, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine who was dead and is, al- is alive again, who was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young, even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. It's the word of the Lord. Too good. This is like, this is such, what, that story, do you know what stands out to me when he, he runs and he welcomes his younger son home who spent everything? He, he was kissed and he was clothed before he was clean. Like, that's just so good for my heart, right? He was kissed and he was clothed and he was thro- a party was thrown for him before he was clean. He literally had come from a faraway land, probably a long journey, and in the faraway land he was working and he couldn't even afford food and he was feeding pigs. And he shows up, and his father runs to him, welcomes him home, and he kisses him, and he kisses him, and he clothes him before he's clean. That's a beautiful picture of what God does for us. Even when we're dirty, he's just like, oh, you're my kid. And he just hugs us, he wraps us up, and he kisses us, he kisses us. And, and so Jesus is telling this story. And you got to, first of all, we've got to remember who this story is to. He's telling it to the religious leaders who are saying, we are here as the keepers of God's law, as, the, as those who want to uh, help Uh, protect the honor of his name. And so in response to that, Jesus tells them this. And I want to give a big thanks to Daryl Johnson. A lot of uh, some of the nuances of this, a guy named Daryl Johnson, he's a pastor and teacher in the Vancouver area. He's just a legend. And and so a lot of the stuff I've got in this message this morning is is from some of his teaching. And Timothy Keller, these guys are just, I just love some of the stuff they teach. So, but what's happening here is Jesus is saying, oh, you want to know how to honor God and honor his name? Let me tell, and he tells them this story. This is in response to, we are the protectors of God's, and he goes, no, 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 you got it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Because they're saying, no sinners, no sinners, no sinners. And Jesus is saying, you're missing the whole point. Let me tell you a story. The younger son who gets welcomed home. Scandalous, scandalous grace. Just love running out. Shame, dirtiness, the father takes it all. And he goes, come on back in. The cost of the father is enormous. Okay, and so then you keep going. And, and what you see is this older brother, and that's who I want to focus on for just a few more minutes this morning. The older brother, he, he, he see, hears a party going on. He's like, what's going on here? And he calls a, a servant, one of the people who works for his father, and he says, what's going on? They say, oh, your brother's back. And so they go, okay, brother's back. Uh, and they say, they're throwing a party. And it says, he's like, refuses to go in. He doesn't want to, he's like, I can't, he's so angry. And so what you see next is this is, this is like, like the father, what he does here is, is so beautiful because the father says, 
I'm going to go out to this son. So he goes out to both sons. That's one of the things you see in the story. He goes out to both sons. So, and so the older son says, Father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. He's talking like a slave even though he's a son. That's interesting. This older son would have been expected to honor the guests of his father. And if he's going to disagree, do it privately. You know what I mean? Don't, not, don't cause a scene. I'm throwing a party for a guest. I'm welcoming home. You come in and you honor them as my kid. And he's like, no. And there's, he, so there's, there's a younger son who broke his relationship with his father right to his face. And then there's this older son, and it's, you see that he has a broken relationship with his father too, which is the essence of what we would call sin. In, sin, in his essence, is broken relationship. And so you actually, you see there's two types of sinners. There's the lawbreakers who are like, forget this, I'm out of here. And they go off to a distant land and spend all their money in wild living. And then there's the kind of people who stay in the house. And they are law keepers. But they have a broken relationship with the father. And it says the father, they say, and, they, and then the response, the father goes out and he goes, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. So he has a relationship with the father that's based on rule keeping. And that's not a relationship. You can't have a relationship all solely based on rule keeping. He's like saying, okay, if I do good, then I'm, I'm with the, good with the Father. If I do bad, I'm bad with the Father. That's all there is to their relationship. He's reduced it to that. It's interesting when you look at the, uh, the younger son, he has like this speech prepared. Okay, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. And then he says, I no longer deserve to be called your son. Okay, and then he says, make me like one of your hired servants. When he gets home, he, said, he does the speech. He says, hey, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I don't longer deserve to be called your son. And the father cuts him off. The, the third part of the, he's just gone. No third part of the speech, he's gone. Father, he, that's when he's kissing him. He's grabbing the rope, throw a party. Let's get the cook. Tell the, get, can we hire that band? Let's get them in. We're doing this. We're throwing a party. And so he, he cuts off the third part of the speech. And you see the older brother is living his whole life the third part of the speech. Right? His whole, the whole, his whole life is, I'm like one of the hired servants. He says to his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. I've been like one of your hired servants. And, he, and the father says, how does he respond? He says, my son, my son. I love that. The, uh, the feeling is, uh, that I find in my heart is, is, is maybe along the lines of, God, I've done everything. God, I've done everything. So the father goes out a second time the same day. And he pleads with his son. And this is what's happening. Jesus is telling the story. He's pleading with the son to enter into his joy in welcoming sinners. He's saying, please, enter this joy. I have in my heart to welcome sinners. He calls him son. He's basically saying, you don't belong to me based on your performance. We're in the family of God for one reason. The scandalous love of the Father. We're children of God. We can have a relationship with God for one reason, because he's so lavish in his love giving. He's so generous. He's so kind. And uh, the, the story is interesting because you don't see, there's no ending. There's no ending to it. Jesus, he says, you know, the, he tells the story and he says, my son, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead 
and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And it doesn't say whether or not the son comes in. It doesn't say that. I've heard that cultural commentaries would say, actually, the appropriate response is because this father is being so shameful and scandalous in his love, the appropriate response would be that this son then actually uh, like punishes the father because he's shaming the whole family by the way he's acting in the community, welcoming home the younger son, and then disrespecting himself a second time, going out again. And so that there was this sense of, of that actually there should have been some punishment from the son to the father. That's wild. And so, but what you see is the story just ends there. Jesus just tells the religious people. He says, hey, this is the, here's a story of two sons and the father. And what's going on in Jesus' world at the time? At the time, tensions are heightening. And the religious leaders are plotting to have Jesus killed. I just like, even as I say that, I'm like, man, like in our lives as a church, Hillside, in our lives, if Jesus was doing the things that Jesus did, would we be the type of people who are like, 100%, I'm with you, Jesus, or would we be the type of religious people who are like, we got to get this guy. This guy's giving the church a bad name. That's so convicting for my heart as a church leader. I'm like, oh my goodness, like I don't want to be in this, this, this part of the church that says is, is, like a, is a Pharisee of a modern day Pharisee saying, oh no, those people, those people, the way they're, they're extending so much grace and so much love, that's, that's crazy. They're out and the tensions are heightening. We've got to kick them out of the church. It's like, would, I, would we be a church that welcomes and follows and sits with Jesus? And I think the beautiful thing is, is even as I'm saying that, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll, we would. A lot of us would. And a lot of us, and some, this is the wild thing about our hearts, right, is that a lot of us would have both things in our hearts, right? We'd be like, no, this is too scandalous. And then some parts would be like, 100%, we're with you, Jesus, on this. It's just like we have this religiosity, this legalism that's crept in over the years. And I'm just like trying to fight with everything in me. So where does it end? The tension, you know, mounts in Jesus' world, and he's already on his way to be crucified. And then the image of the cross is so, it's so beautiful when thinking about the story of the prodigal son, just arms wide open. Just, Jesus, do we have a cross? Is there, do we have a cross here? Here, yeah. Just like arms open, right? Just like to the world, just saying, hey, my broken body, my bleeding body, I'm welcoming you home. God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I like to think about how God's never surprised. God's never surprised. What I think, for some reason growing up, because I was a church kid, I grew up pretty religious, I, I used to think God would be like surprised and really disappointed when I sinned, right? Now, don't get me wrong, I think God, there, there is a level of, of hurt when it hurts our relationship with him and it hurts each other, but not like a wimpy, sad, crying God, right? Like, it's not, and he's never surprised, he's not like, oh my gosh, did you see what he did? <laughs> like, talking to the angels, like, I, I did not see this coming. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, like what? <laughs> what like Jesus just, like, God in heaven, like, okay, uh, within himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Okay, okay. Like, it's, it's crazy. It's like, no, he's never surprised. He's not, he's not discouraged about our lives. He's not discouraged about the church. Are there parts of what's happening in the church and the world that grieve him? Of course, yes. I'm not saying never, but he's not at, like in that kind of petty way that we would maybe sometimes imagine. He's not, he's, his arms wide open. Grace. Crazy graces. It's like, why would... He's just so wasteful in his love. Have you guys heard... Have you guys sung that song, Reckless Love? You guys know that one? You know? You know that, let me sing it. <laughs> it goes, Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending... You know this one? Reckless love of God. 
Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. That's a reference to this, this Luke 15, right? I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And so my, friend, my friend's church, they didn't, the worship leader was like, we're not singing that song. God is not reckless. Right? And they, this, was, this was sincere. They're like, God is not reckless. And the author of the song is like, no, no, no. It's like from our perspective, when you actually think about how much he just throws out his love, it's, it's, we could perceive it as reckless. Just like, what are you doing? It's like this lavish father love, just welcoming the younger son home, welcoming the older son, pleading with the older son to come in, come and join the party, come and join what's going on in my heart for the world. And it's like, please come in, come in, come in, come into my heart, come into my family. And it's just this, this reckless, it's like, you're so wasteful. Grace is crazy. Grace is crazy. I had uh, some friends, the ch their church started to shift into really preaching grace hard. The pastor was like preaching all, like tons of grace. And so then the church, some of the church members were starting to get bothered by it. Too much grace, they were saying. <laughs> Too much grace. And this is like an awesome church. And I was sitting there being like, what are you saying right now? I was like, there's like too much grace. I'm like, no, too, there's too much grace? Are you kidding me? Like, do you even understand how we're even breathing right now? That's too much grace. It's like he literally has uh, allowed us to continue in life by grace. Just the time that he gives us, the patience he has with us, the, he's, the fact that the, the, all the stuff going on with humanity, that he doesn't just wipe us off the face of the earth, it's just, he's constantly just grace, 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 grace. And people say, yeah, but you can use grace as a license to sin. And it's like, yeah, you, you can. And that's when you, you know, I think in Jude it says that's, you, that's perverting grace. But the more you actually let grace, but grace allows it. It's crazy. Why would you do that, God? Why would you allow me to abuse your grace? He he's so, has so much grace in his heart for us that he allows us to abuse it. And we have for years, right? We do in so many different ways, in small ways and big ways for years. We're just like abusing his grace. And he's like, he's like it's just, it, this, is, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, uh, what's the verse in... Um, Guys, come on, the verse that says, I'll draw you with loving kindness. You know, is it Jeremiah 31 or something, 39? It's Jeremiah 30-something. And, uh, and maybe 5 or something, 39, 5. And you know this one, it says, I've loved you with an unfailing love. I've drawn you with loving kindness. Can we? Can somebody just do a quick like Google on your phone and then just, just put your hand up when you find it. I, I says, but he says, I've loved you with an unfailing love. I've drawn you with loving kindness. And we... It's, that's how he, and in, in Romans it says it's his goodness that dr brings us to repentance. It's his, the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. And we, we, do you ever do this where you, and I know we talked about this last time I was here too, because it, you can tell this is the stuff that's on my heart lately. And I, I was like, I can only preach what's on my heart. Like God is, is seriously trying to rip out the religion on my heart so I can be free in Christ. And so if you end up in a service with me like you guys get to be this morning, I say get to be, I'm half, half to be. Uh, <laughs> You're like, I didn't have a choice, bro. I just, I, I'm committed to the church. And you showed up. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. That's why I say get to be. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I want it. 30, 31.3. Okay, it's a three. You have three. There's lots of threes. 31.3. Can you, can you read it? Oh, my goodness. He's so kind. He's so kind. Of, oh, that's what that verse does. That song goes. Uh, it goes. It goes. Um, uh, you have been so so kind to me. 
right? He's just been so patient. He's been so kind. He's been so loving. That song, I just, his song's so aggressive. I love that song. It talks about him breaking down walls, him chasing after us. You know, he's coming over the overwhelming. I remember where I was when I first heard that song. I was like, what is this song? I think it's right. <laughs> just overwhelming, <laughs> never-ending, everlasting, reckless love of God. I'd love to, uh, for us to end our prayer time to, with by praying today. today. Um, and I think when I'm thinking about how do we respond, I think the, the way we respond is, why don't we just ask God to just search our hearts by his spirit and show us any area where, where we've just attached our relationship to him to activity, to um, if there's any older brotherness in our hearts. You know, if there's that older brotherness, uh, and I think I was, when I was here last time I shared, I, I, I was at Pine Tree Starbucks, and I saw an old friend, and she, she said, she goes, I feel like the older brother sometimes. So she's, uh, just some stuff in her life hasn't gone the way she wanted. And she's been, she's just a beautiful, faithful lover of Jesus. And she said this out loud. We're at Starbucks. I just randomly saw her. And we, oh, we started catching up. And I said, you know, how are you doing? And then, and then one of the things, she goes, I feel like the older brother sometimes, because I say, God, I've been faithfully serving you all these years. And everyone around me, this, these things are opening, doors are opening up the way they want. And I'm just like, I was like, what did you say? She's like, yeah, you know, like the older brother. I was like, like what a, what a, a self-evaluation, right? But then what do you do? Don't keep your eyes on yourself. Don't keep your eyes on the older brother or the younger brother, wherever you fit. We've got to look to the father, right? Okay, so, what, so this is where I'm at. Now let's look to the father. How does he respond? How does he respond? He responds with arms wide open. He comes out pleading with us. I think let's invite the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and show us any area where uh, there's that older brotherness. And I think I'm, I'm just, my prayer is that he would dismantle the structures that are keeping us back from being free and being loved. More creativity and courage and yeah, just that his love would cast out fear and just, I think uh, I want for us more power I was reading something uh, or listening to a talk of, by this guy, and I forget, and it, he says, when was the last time you encountered the enemy and won? And I was kind of like, well, first of all, even just thinking about encountering the enemy in our culture, we don't really talk a ton about that. But he's like, and won. And I was like, oh. oh. And I was like, oh. And I was like, wait, why don't I have an answer to that question? I'm like, I have the kingdom of, the king of heaven come how does he come right now? I mean, there's a, in, the, in the ultimate sense, he's going to return. But king of heaven come, the way he comes now is by his spirit. He fe- fills our hearts. He, li- he, he lives through us. He gives, he, you know, we, we bring uh, on earth, in Coquitlam, in the tri-cities, as it is in heaven. We're the people who are the carriers of the kingdom in our hearts. And it's like that's when we come into situations. We have kingdom in our heart. Righteousness and peace and joy and the power of God to change situations, to intervene. This, the, this line's been rattling around in my head, and we'll end here and we'll, we'll pray together. And it, the line's been rattling around in my head that it's been like, I want to take back what the enemy's stolen. The peace in people's families and relationships and mental health. Their health. I want to take back what the enemy's stolen. I want to see ca- heaven come to earth. Okay, I can't, you know, I'll get, just get going too long. Why don't we stand together? Uh, <clears throat> I'd love for us just to wait a moment or two in silence and invite the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts. So God, we stand in your presence. We wait on you. Fill our hearts, Holy Spirit. Show us if there's anything you want to remove so that your love can break in.
Yeah, we wait on you. God, would you uh, dismantle the structures that are keeping your love from filling our hearts and lives? Convince us again of your great love for us. I pray for a holy fire to grow in hearts. A holy fire that, that yeah, that, that, that says we're going to take back areas of our own hearts and lives and, and families in our cities, in our community, our workplaces. God, that you would give us that holy fire that we'd want to say, heaven come to earth. That we, that you and us would bring carriers of peace and justice and freedom. God, we pray for freedom this morning, freedom from addiction. I ask for an anointing of your spirit to free us from our addictions. I ask for freedom from Freedom from uh, mental illness. God, we, we're so thankful for medicine, and we also say we're so thankful that we can pray and you can, you can bring miraculous healing and breakthrough in our lives. We pray that you do that. Bring healing in our own lives and in the people we love. God, we don't want to be like the Pharisees uh, when Jesus, when you're on the earth. We want to be those who honor your name in the way you want us to honor your name. Make us men and women who are so joyful in seeing sinners welcomed home. We know that's us. And God, that our heart for our community and the people around us would just grow and grow and grow and that we would experience what's going on in your heart for the people around us your joy in welcoming them home, your joy in restoring lives and families. Thank you that you love restoring. Fill our hearts, God. I also pray a blessing of joy on my friends today. As we head into this Advent season, we pray that we would be more aware than any Christmas before of Emmanuel, God with us, everywhere we go, not just at church on Sundays, but everywhere we go, God, that you're with us, bringing heaven to earth. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.